You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. What I'm saying is your dick. <laughs> Hello and welcome to All Series, a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague and joining me is Corey Scott. And before we get into the show, uh, for all the info on this, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsnerds.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, go to gncasts.com. And as a warning, on Elsnerds, we, will, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both spoil things and swear liberally. You have been warned. How you doing, sir? I am uh, I'm okay. I'm I'm doing all right. I'm I'm feeling a little weather blue, I think. And and I, I don't want to go too much into the weather, but I think it's a seasonal thing. I th- I think it's that that time of year when you you start waking up and it's still dark out, and mm-hmm. and the I, I'm not someone who really longs for daylight. I'm not one of those people who need sunshine and shit. I would I would fucking move to Seattle in a heartbeat just for the the <laughs> constant beaten down weather. Uh, of misery of just like the ghost of Kurt Cobain hovering everything. Uh, but, <laughs> but it, it's definitely, it's, it's that moment when the things change enough that you're getting up in the morning and you just keep having to question whether you set the clock wrong. Uh, if it's actually time to get up or, or if you have another four hours to sleep still. And it's just, it's, it's been really frustrating, but I'm Okay. No, yeah, it was fun. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of my stuff that I did this past week in my else views because I actually went outside and did things. So that's is, completely against my religion. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but no, and I had fun. That's um, that's even worse. I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> but no, so but let's let's just jump right into the news. Um, the first bit of news is something that everyone has been talking about. I believe so. So, hey, why not join on this? Uh, Linda Hamilton will return to the Terminator franchise. James Cameron and Arnold Schwarzenegger are both involved. Uh, James Cameron's going to produce the reboots, which I've heard it scraps everything from the reboots that they've been trying to do, but keeps uh, the first two Terminators. So it's kind of like what they're doing with Halloween. Sure. I will take your word for that. Uh, Um, Okay. So Halloween... Uh, Danny McBride and I forget who's who's who his writing partner is in it. They're making a new Halloween movie, and they're bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis. Now, the Halloween films it famously did the first two films that revolved around Laurie Strode and and Michael Myers. Then the third Halloween veered completely away. It was kind of like what they wanted to do was just make it an anthology series and not have it be not have it be about uh, the same characters over and over again. So yeah. that was the witch which was about nothing to do with Myers, nothing to do with the, the family and extensive stuff and everything. It was a very weird film, very dated, but a lot of people kind of love it because of that. And then they went back to Michael Myers in episodes four and five and six with a cousin or an extended sister. I don't remember exactly what it was. That's the ones that have uh, Danielle Harris in them uh, when she was a little girl, although they ditched her for the sixth one and they fucking killed the character stupidly but then seven was halloween hgo they brought back jamie lee curtis as laurie strode had her son there it was kind of 
Scream-esque, Dawson's Creekish, and then they killed her character in the very last one of the series at the very beginning and just kind of like, and then we're just going to let Michael Myers run around like Jason does and just go town to town like he's on tour like Tiffany at the mall. <laughs> but now they're going backwards and they're saying, hey, uh, fuck everything from Halloween 3 on. We're going we're gonna to bring back Gloria Strode as a fucking yogurt eating senior citizen which he is which is fine I, she's still a very attractive woman and we're gonna do the the michael myers laurie Strode thing again except not with josh hartnett as her son and everything else and I, I don't know like the way they killed laurie was lame halloween h show was actually a pretty solid flick uh especially for the time that it came out yeah but it it seems like what these movies are doing and they talked about doing this with the alien franchise too with sigourney weaver uh, going back and, and kind of like canceling out from Alien 3 on. Like, we're just going to go and we're going to start over again. And like, so we'll have Ripley and maybe we'll have Newt and, and we'll do these things and stuff. And it's it's like, God damn it. I I love some of these franchises and, and some of them I'm just like, okay with. Terminator, I'm mostly just okay with. And certainly we can see where they all jumped off the track. And it's funny that it always seems to be about the third one. Oh, yeah, we'll send Ripley to a prison planet and we'll shave her head and we'll kill off all the characters that survived with her at the end of the last one, except for Bishop will just be a fucking white-blooded stump. And uh, it'll be great. No, it really wasn't great, but it was better than some of the crap that came later. I get the idea of it, but it's just, it's so hard and uh, trying of like, we're just going to keep redoing this and redoing this so we can get you back for that fucking nostalgia hook again and i certainly love the idea of lyndall hamilton being a part of the terminator franchise because really it was built around her from the beginning uh she just crushed it in terminator 2 she was amazing but i didn't hate the idea of doing the younger version of her in the last film that they did uh where they had khaleesi playing her and and they started all that shit again I, I dug the idea of it, although I haven't seen it in the execution and didn't do well. Just like I like Lena Headley playing her in the Sarah Connor Chronicles. It was a pretty good show that was kind of retelling the mythos, but but changing things. And it was building on the history that was already there. Terminator gets a pass because it plays with time travel. It plays yeah. with altering history and stuff. But it just feels like we're forcing this concept over and over to just keep milking a franchise because it's a franchise and because we're so insistent that it's still going to be somehow bankable. And yet they don't often wind up being bankable. Yeah. So the, the thing that I have that I'm worried about with this, you've basically hit it on the head, but they've had, they've talked about this with every movie since Terminator three that, Oh, this is going to be a reboot of the, of the franchise. It's going to be a reboot of the franchise. So, What's going to be the difference now? Like, honestly, it, oh, just because you have uh, James Cameron producing it and helping, you know, and him and him and Tim Miller uh, writing it, you know, in parts, you know, and planning out a trilogy. That's warning number one for me that this movie is probably going to suck. And I get, you know, James Cameron is a really good filmmaker. You know, he is one of the best filmmakers out there. But to say his shit doesn't stink is reaching a little bit yeah it, we we say that james cameron is one of the best filmmakers out there and certainly he's made giantly successful films but who do you know that is excited and or interested in the avatar sequels the 
four plus movies that he said he's going to make now from that film. Who do you know that has been talking about James Cameron anything since back since Avatar? That was 2009. Gotten producer credit and stuff like that. Like before that, he did the Dark Angel TV series which was 2002. So we haven't Mm -hmm. seen Cameron in a long time. We haven't seen Cameron in his glory days for going on 15 years now, maybe closer to 20 if you go by Titanic, which was 2007. So to say that, oh, it's James Cameron and he's great. Well, he was great, but remember Indiana Jones 4? I don't because I won't fucking watch it. (laughs) But that was getting the gang back together. That was like, how can this fucking not nail because it's Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones and we love Indiana Jones. We absolutely did certainly beloved from the, the original trilogy, but you plug 20 years onto that and it's a different fucking story because those filmmakers, I don't want to say that they're not still relevant, but in some ways have shown that their relevance has faded or that their skills. Now we, now we can pick them apart easier. Maybe if you, if you want to be really, critical which a lot of people are lucas obviously we we lost a lot of love for him with the prequels but he he's done other stuff besides star wars and indiana jones and none of those things have done well either he did that animated film strange magic he did the the one with the the war movie i just star wars the force awakens had harrison ford back in and again but if it had been about just han and chewie it may have been a tougher film to gather the excitement. They they really did rely a lot on the new characters, which I think was great. I think that was important. That's what I wanted to see more of. And while I don't love losing some of the original characters as we did, I didn't need to see that. But I, I get why they did it. And again, this is not to say that Harrison Ford can't still act, but I'm saying that seeing Harrison Ford at 70 playing characters that he was playing in his 20s and 30s is a very different thing. It's like how, and I'm, it's going to be funny because he's doing it anyways. It's like how Kevin Smith said, Jay and Silent Bob are great now, but no one wants to see these fuckers in their 40s doing the same shtick. And realistically, that's true. If Jay and Silent Bob are pushing 50 and standing in front of the fucking Quickie Mart still trying to sell weed to kids, that's just sad. It doesn't make the same impact that it did it's not relatable it's like it's like peter parker being in his late 30s still living with his aunt may making her making breakfast make the fucking wheat cakes in the morning it, at some point it just becomes pathetic these characters need to grow they need to change they need to alter or we need to get new characters and we need to get new stories and so at a point i worry that things like terminator have served its fucking time man yeah i think that's sort of where, where we're both getting at because Beats pointing out, you know that that George Lucas is not was not a good director. I but there was disagree. a point in time when he was the most beloved director out there. Yeah. yeah, and I I look at this honestly like this is a great idea. What I love more is that this is not James Cameron directing. James Cameron is only going to produce this, and I I like the idea that he's from what it sounds like Linda Hamilton is going to be the star of this. You know, it's it's going to be you know one of the main characters in here. And it's it is going to be James Cameron trying to get the aged female. This is something actually I from watching Electric Playground on YouTube. Uh, they did the rundown today, and they were talking about this. And you know, uh, James Cameron had a quote saying that you know we have the aged uh, male action stars, 
you know, your Qui-Gon Jinn, I'm blanking on his name. Liam Neeson, um, who's who yeah. just recently said he's not going to do action movies anymore. Yeah. And, you know, your Arnold Schwarzenegger's, your Sylvester Stallone's, you know, I, everyone from The Expendables, basically, that can do these movies now where it's like, oh, the aged man is taking on, you know, something. You know, we're getting that with that uh, Jackie Chan movie where he's basically going like, where's what happened to my daughter and all that stuff for the, throughout the whole movie. And then he does Kung Fu. But I, yeah, I just want to point out Linda Hamilton is, is 60, mm-hmm. uh, which is not a, a far cry for where I am. Uh, I'm turning 46 this year. Helen Mirren is 72. Now it's been a, a few years, but Helen Mirren was in the Red movies not too yeah. long ago. Helen Mirren is is a strikingly beautiful woman at 72 yeah. and held very much her own in those movies against some people who are also not spry youths, but all were completely believable and great in an action film between Bruce Willis and uh, Morgan Freeman. And was it was it Bruce Dern in those? I don't remember exactly. No, John Malkovich. Fucking Malkovich, yeah. man. And very fun and everything. And and not just those films, but certainly in a lot of things. It's not to take away from Linda Hamilton at all. And it's not to say Linda Hamilton can't accomplish whatever the fuck she wants to in films, because like I said, she's great. She's kind of done it all. Or going back to Scorny Reaver as, as Ripley. Like, I was completely excited to see Ripley come back to the Alien franchise because it's Sigourney Weaver and because I know Sigourney Weaver kicks ass. She just did Defenders and was impeccable in that was probably the best part of it uh which again shows that marvel doesn't know what to do with their fucking tv shows when they take the best parts and they fucking hack them away part way through um still that's not what i'm saying it's the idea is these things are precious now i realized today that it's been 15 years since firefly was on Mm -hmm. since firefly premiered it's been 15 years firefly does not feel that long ago yeah, But when you do the math, the math says, no, it was 15 years ago. And that part of me that's like, but why can't we have Firefly back? Because it was so good and because all those people are still so good. And why can't we do this thing? Except in that thing, we have to give the caveats of some of those actors' roles aren't there anymore. So it won't be the same Firefly. Some of the actors themselves might not be your favorite people in the world anymore. Like Baldwin uh, or whatever Baldwin you are. Adam. Fucking you. Yeah, Adam. By the way, not a Baldwin. Not a like, Baldwin Baldwin, but but still yeah. a Baldwin. Is the the magic of the past overwhelmingly coloring the idea of what this potential thing could be? And that's that's something that you have to kind of admit to yourself. I don't want to give up on the potential of Firefly coming back. But 15 years later, maybe I should give up on the potential of Firefly coming back. Yeah. And that ain't fucking Terminator. When Terminator 2 came out in the early goddamn 90s, I just like I I get it. Because obviously there's an audience there for it. There's an audience that's hunger, hungering for it. But then it's like, here's this thing we made you. Don't you want to eat it all up? And it's like, you look at it and you go, uh, I'm good. I think I'm going to have some fucking kale. And by kale, I mean a Netflix show. Because yeah. that that doesn't look as ripe as it should. Yeah, and, and Beat's pointing out, you know, like Futurama, because um, me and him were talking about this actually before the sh- before we went on air, that w- especially with TV, people, when a show gets canceled, clamor for, oh, one more, you know, one more show, one more show, you know, one more season, one more season, Netflix, save it. And I cannot name very many TV shows that have moved networks and been more successful. Like Futurama wasn't, 
you know, Futurama didn't garner a lot more views when it went from Fox, was canceled for you know however many years, and then went to Comedy Central. Jumping networks is one thing. Uh, the span of Family Guy being off the air and then coming back wasn't that long so that it felt like and for a lot of people they had just recently really discovered it for the first time in the reruns yeah. on Cartoon Network and stuff. X-Files coming back after a a 10-year span was interesting. Twin Peaks certainly is right now the the toast of the fucking town for what they did on Showtime. Very different from the original series. It it kind of doesn't even make sense for you have to watch the original series to get into the the current Twin Peaks run. You watch the Fire Walk with Me movie and go from there. But there are cases where it can work. But I think an animated series, for one, it's not as big of a worry. Yeah. Because if you get those voice actors back, they can. the fucking Simpsons has been on forever. All the same voice actors, they're still nailing it. It doesn't matter if it went off the air or not. It's like you go to a new Simpsons. Other than the writing being shit, it's still the same goddamn Simpsons as it was from the beginning. It feels the same. The artwork's definitely but, advanced yeah. and technology's changed. South but Park. That's, but that's sort of where I was going with this. Like you have these shows and i'm including because futurama because that was with the whole podcast thing that was it was like an audio episode of futurama where they had all the whole cast reading the script and it was written by some of the writers and it was it was aired on nerdist and i'm of the mindset where you know i was a big futurama fan when it aired i didn't really see any of the stuff on netflix and i had heard mixed things about it so it's one of those where i'm like i would much rather enjoy a show that i loved then watch it be bastardized and turned into a zombie show where it's like okay this is the point where this happens this is the point where bender says something offensive so on and so forth and you, it's like you could just tell every beat of the episode part of the reason why the only show on fox sunday nights that i watch that's animated is bob's burgers and even then well, that's spotty for me Bob's Burgers is just a genius show, but it is modern. It doesn't have to be beholden to what it was before. Arrested Development is one of those things. I haven't watched the fourth season of Arrested Development because I've, I've heard negative things, but it's not really even about that. It's the, I would like to go back and watch Arrested Development again. I watched it when it was on the air the first time. Like yeah. I was that guy who watched the show as it aired. I went, why aren't more people watching this goddamn show? This is amazing. But Arrested Development comes back on Netflix. And again, not a huge span of time in between, but the show came back very different from how it was. And recapturing that original magic is hard enough as it is, but when you have to change things so drastically because trying to get all those people together to do that project is difficult, it's kind of up in the air as to whether it's going to land or not. Fuller House, I think, did it smart because while they have the people from Full House as a part of it, it focuses on the next generation who are still all people who were from the show originally, but they give them their own vehicle. So mm -hmm. if you weren't a Full House fan, I don't know why you'd watch Fuller House, but at least if you watch Fuller House, you can come at it fresh and it doesn't make a difference. And if you watch Fuller House and you watched Full House, you get the progression as to why, but it's not like they're trying to make the fucking dad and two uncles all live in the house in their 60s and 70s. And Jesse's still saying things like have mercy and Joey's still living in the fucking closet like he's goddamn Harry Potter and shit. You mean the doesn't basement? make them whatever. It makes him less pathetic than it would if we were just trying to recapture this whole thing as it was. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's what they're going to do with Terminator, but it is the worry of at 65 years old. Should Indiana Jones still be jumping through jungles and shit fighting Nazis? It, it, he he can. It was great to watch his dad do it in Indiana Jones 3, 
but his dad did it differently. He wasn't Indiana Jones. Yeah. He was Indiana Jones's dad. So the character was different. To see Indiana Jones at that age still trying to do the same kind of things maybe leaves people feeling like I don't buy into it as much. But it's again, it, we want this so bad. I want this to be this thing cuz I love this thing. I want more of this thing. What you're giving me is like that thing, but as I see it now I realize that I'm never going to get that original thing again. Yeah. It's it's the cherry high. It's the first time you do heroin. And then you come back to her and a week later and it's like, God, I wish it was as good as it was the first time. Oh, well, let's put some smack in there. You know, let's let's mix this shit up and see what else we can do. Let's fucking highball it. I don't know drug terms. I'm very clean. I, I just at some point we have to get over the nostalgia factor. I don't know yeah. when that's no. going to be. I don't know if that will ever be. But at some point it that needs to happen because we're we've lost the ability to grow new stuff and even the stuff that i love now is like throwbacks to other things i loved stranger things but stranger things is very reverent to 80s kids movies and 80s horror movies and stuff and i loved it and it is a lot like stranger things in what it does it's so good and it evokes a time that when i was these kids age at roughly the same period of time and so I feel a nostalgia from that, even though it's not something that I should feel nostalgia for, because the story is, for me, new. I didn't really read the book or I, I know the miniseries and I've seen some of it, but I don't give a crap about it. Yeah. But I understand that even that's drawing on the past. And it's like every fucking t-shirt I own is some sort of nostalgia thing disguised as a more modern thing or a mashup of, of a couple of things together. Uh, and I'm watching a tick series that I've been watching tick series since it was a cartoon in the 90s. And since it was a comic before that, I can't throw stones too hard because they're going to bounce off that glass house and hit me in the fucking face and I'll no. deserve it. No, I but see, there's with some of these examples, there is a difference. Futurama, they have tried and have had less and less and less payoff. Terminator, they have done this and they've had less and less and less payoff. You know, same thing with the Halloween movies. So it, it quickly becomes one of these things of that the movie executives have to have to honestly look at when they have all these scripts that come to them. What's really going to give us or give them more money something that could be a potential new franchise or another installment in a franchise that's going to retcon stuff from before these with these other movies and is ultimately going to isolate fans you know and, and going to get to the point where the fans are like fuck it i give up that's yeah. ultimately where i think we're i think we're, we're coming at to this that's honestly my and i am not a terminator fan at all like i saw terminator 3 that's it and it's like I, I don't have any ill will for the franchise, but at the same time, I've had franchises that I've loved get bastardized. I've had things that I've that I love get canceled and never come back. Or since I watch a lot of British TV, get promised American series and then have those get bastardized and get canceled after one season or just never come back. And you're just like, but this would be so good. You know, the IT crowd would be so good and stuff like that. And then nothing. Well, I saw the pilot for the IT crowd in America, and it it wasn't that good. And and that's that's having that's, a pure love for the people that were in it, but yeah. it just it didn't land. It was the same shot, the second it time. Was shot for shot, the pilot, the pilot from the first from the British, which TV. they did with the Office, but the Office managed to to evoke reactions, and and then they jumped away from that copying after the first episode. Yeah, I get it. I I I totally understand. I can't speak to why I find acceptance of some some of these things and why I'm so against it in other ways, because it is, it's a, 
more than a little bit hypocritical. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. If it wasn't the only thing that we were seeing, if everything wasn't trying to be franchised and everything wasn't trying to be remakes, if we were getting a slew of original stuff and it was it was like this is a small part of the bigger picture. But the bigger picture is this stuff. And I feel like that's what's gone wrong is Hollywood is so afraid to take chances. And that's why Netflix and Hulu and Amazon are doing what they're doing and getting success is because they will take the chances that Hollywood no longer will. Yeah. All right. The next story that we have is one from this is coming to us from Collider and this is you know the Nutwing movie director Chris McKay is teasing his quote-unquote badass action take I don't believe it's one of the DCEU movies at least like it's not in their official lineup or whatever but Chris McKay who has uh done the Lego Batman movie he was a producer on the Lego Ninjago movie that's coming out this week he was talking he was asked by people from Collider about finally bringing D uh, Dick Grayson to the big screen which we should preface right now I'm a fan of Dick Grayson in the comic books and I and you know Dick been a fan and uh, you know been a fan since the uh the animated series and Corey you are my favorite comic book character of all time next yeah well him yeah and kitty pride together are my two favorite comic book characters yes there's, yes, there's certainly has, a, a case to be made for either one being my favorite at any given time he has volumes and volumes of fanfic to prove that i, I <laughs> seriously like the one time i thought about doing fanfic well two times but the the more specific time was a i wanted to do fanfic of dick grayson and kitty pride and other various characters from other comic book universes doing a spin-off of the Exiles where they're going through different alternate dimensions and stuff and going to all these different comic universes and stuff and meeting other characters and, and trying to solve a, what was going to be a merging of all of the universes into one that was going to destroy what was basically their home universes. But it was basically it was to get Kitty Pride and Dick Grayson in the same story together. Yeah. So he he had this quote here, and I'm gonna paraphrase some of the things of it. But he says he's a big comic book fan, and really being able to to do the story of Nightwing to do a Dick Grayson story, which is a character, and and I would agree with this completely, is a character that every single person in the world knows, but has never really had a lot of screen time. They you know, and they make a billion Spider-Man movies and a lot of Batman movies, and they've tried the Hulk. And when they were making the Tim Burton movies, they were always like, "Oh, maybe we'll do Robin in this in this now. Maybe we'll see we'll save Robin for Returns. Nope, we'll save it for the next one." With Christopher Nolan, people were like, "Is he going to do Robin?" When they made Batman vs Superman, they were talking about it. I'm a big fan of underdog stories, and he is one of the biggest underdog stories in comics, and he's a character that I grew up with. I like the arc. The arc is, you know, of course, the zero to hero arc, going from the uh, Flying Graysons to being adopted by Bruce Wayne to becoming, you know, his first Robin, then becoming Nightwing. Yeah, the true underdog uh, story of a guy who loses his family and then is adopted by the richest motherfucker on the planet, who is also <laughs> a superhero that can protect you for your entire life, but instead puts a red suit on you like a giant fucking bullseye and pushes you in between him and the Joker. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Hey, no, I'm going to wear time. all this black fucking armor <laughs> and you go over there in some booties and some shorty shorts. Okay. Yep. But no, I mean, honestly, I look at this and I'm, there's so much that you can do. And I'm going to say skip, don't necessarily have it tied in at least heavily with the DCEU. 
but that you can do with Dick Grayson. I mean, even with looking at the past five years of comics alone, with him being a spy, you know, you just retcon it to where, okay, he was a spy before he was uh, Nightwing. So you bring in Spiral with that, and you have these interesting stories and d- develop his moral code and all that stuff. You know, he becomes Nightwing and all that. And there's a bunch of different ways that they can do this that, you know, and probably minor shit, but hey, I'm used to it. But it would be, it would be a really cool thing to see and it would be different from the typical batman story even using some of batman's villains one of the things that to me is essential who dick grayson is is that he has been the teen sidekick and i know the teen sidekick is itself why they don't use him in the movies because they always are afraid that it's going to become the batman 66 tv series and go camp because oh now we've got these two guys that are hanging out and uh Sorry, everybody. They're not actually gay. They just—they're just friends. Or he's his ward. That's one of the main worries. And of course, the person who jumps in that grenade and and relishes in it was Joel Schumacher, who more or less emulated the silliness and the campiness of the '66 series, which is fine. You know, those movies were successful in a sense. Uh, Batman Forever certainly was more successful. Batman and Robin killed the franchise. So I can understand why they are worried about that. And because having a Robin takes away from the loner Dark Knight aspect of Batman. Because once Batman has a team, he has to think outside of himself and he can't take the same amount of risks that he would take alone. It changes the entire dynamic into a duo, uh, but more or less, uh-huh. I, I, I get it. But I don't want to see a Dick Grayson that doesn't have this history of growing up being the partner to Batman, being trained by Batman. Having all of that is essential to who he is. It was the entry point for a lot of kids. It's like, I yeah. want to be Robin. Robin is the my identifier in the Batman universe. I can't be Batman, but I could be Robin, you know, yeah. and that that's and- cool. And to sort of walk back, because I, I did jump that part, I could say you could honestly have that as a backstory, but still do the more the Tim uh, the Tim Seeley uh, written Grayson storyline from the New 52. Which again, it, which, which yes, again, spiral stuff. If you're going to do the spiral stuff, you might as well be doing a James Bond movie. You might as well be doing Kingsman or something of that effect and not use Dick Grayson. Because while it's it's a decent storyline, it's a storyline that is surrounded by all the other shit that was Nightwing. And, and and that's not a Nightwing that they didn't even call the book Nightwing. They called it Grayson. So it's a tough call to figure out what to hone in on for what Dick Grayson's character. Because there was the, the series where he was a cop in Bloodhaven, mm-hmm. which is something that I really enjoyed a lot. And, and his main villain was Blockbuster. The Bloodhaven stuff would be incredible to use, but modernize it and change things and everything else. But it's still... He's had such a rich history because he's been around for 70 years. Still looks like he's in his 20s, but I get all that. I I just I want to see a take where he actually has been Robin. Yeah. You know, he's Nightwing now, but he has been Robin because otherwise it doesn't make sense. He could just be anybody. It sounds like the feel of the movie is is going to be non CGI. It's going to be more practical stuff and everything. And at that point, it could just be Daredevil because he is a man on the street. Daredevil's powers (laughs) set him apart a little bit. But for the most part, he's a fisticuffs fighter, which Robin slash Nightwing would be, except Robin more or less does more with acrobatics okay you're you're getting to something very dangerous here and that's the fuck it they've done it before let's not watch anything ever again no that's not what i'm saying i'm saying is embrace all of it yeah 
embrace all of it and make sense out of it to make a quality film. But if you start picking and choosing and you you ignore the very base parts of it, it doesn't do any good to then make it be that person. And you know, it's like it's like I'm going to do a Catwoman movie, except I'm not going to have her be anything like the actual Catwoman. It's not going to be Selena Kyle. She's not going to be a villain for Batman. It, she's going to be some random woman that has ripped up pants and gets her powers from an Egyptian goddess or some bullshit. Yeah, yeah that's what happens when you don't pay attention to the source material. And so you've got to be respectful to what Dick Grayson actually is. Yeah. You also got to be respectful to Barbara Gordon, who she actually is, and not make her origin tied to I want to fuck the Batman because that's a bunch of bullshit. And it's a crappy way to introduce a female character into what is supposed to be her own animated film. Fuck you, DC, for doing that. Fuck you. Yeah. So fuck I, you. Mean, <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> no, I agree with that completely because it's, and it's, one of the things that I have that I was I was going to go back to with not necessarily tying it so heavily to the DCEU. Because not necessarily to the DCEU, but in the, the same sense of it, Batman's got to exist. No, it, I'm, it I'm, might oh, not no, be no, the no, bad no, flick. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, me, let me rephrase. Because yes. with what DC is trying to do, they are trying to create a universe so hard that they are forcing it down our throats. Vaporware. Yes. What I'm saying is Batman exists in this universe. It can even be Ben Affleck's Batman, but don't bring in these other, the, the only exception would be if they're going to stick with the origin, Superman, because Superman gave him the name of Nightwing in either origin that you go with, like it was pre-crisis or post-crisis. Pre-crisis, the, the name Nightwing existed as a character that Superman, Superman's identity when he would go into the bottled city of Kandor. Yes. And he and Jimmy Olsen would fight crime as a Batman and Robin duo. It was Nightwing and Flamebird. And then they yes. were eventually replaced by people who were actually from Kandor uh, who could be there full time to do it. And then, yeah, Nightwing. Yes. It, he, it wasn't specifically stated. It was a name that was kind of floating around like, well, we got to make another Batman. Let's make Nightwing because that's a name that kind of we've associated with Batman for a long time. And then they retconned the name in. Yeah, and the other part of it is, and it's something I like a little bit more from the New 52, where Superman, gave, I'm, I'm paraphrasing like hell here, but Superman gave, told him this story of a, uh, almost like Santa Claus in that way, you know, like, like the mythological creature or being thing, and roughly translated to English, it was Nightwing. That'd be the only two characters that I could really see you coming in, and even then, both of those are either backstory stuff with Batman, or... It's a rooftop chit chat as the beginning or the end or however they do it with Superman. And he's like, I like the name of Nightwing and <clears throat> Nightwing at the end of the movie. But other than that, we don't need one room. We don't need Flash. We don't need Cyborg unless you're going to do something with the Teen Titans. And it's going to, you know, confuse the fuck out of people. That, that's it another thing we need to mention is the fact that right now they're developing and, and getting pretty close to production on a TV series. Mm hmm. That is going to feature the Dick Grayson character, and so you're going to get into another thing here that I that I'm worried about, and that is DC, where they're not doing a shared universe like Marvel is quote unquote doing. They're only allowing their characters to be in one area. Now Gotham is the exception because, in my opinion, it's like who gives a fuck about Gotham? Gotham a is the fucking Wild West. Yes, but you know, you saw this with the CW or with the DCW uh, universe of shows where they pulled out the Suicide Squad. 
you know, they killed off all of them or whatever. So that, hey, because they're doing the movie. And, you know, same thing with Deathstroke, where, oh, he was trapped on Lian Yu. And, oh, they're, oh, they're doing a movie. Oh, oh, that movie fell through. He might not be in there. Okay. Hey, you want Deathstroke back? Here you go. I would much rather they just tell us great fucking stories. I would much rather. That's all I've been asking. Yeah. I, I, like, I've been, I think me and you have been asking this for a while now. But it's like, just share, you know, just t- do these great stories. Because, again, with a lot of these characters, you have 70 plus years of material. Some of that has to be gold, you know, or something that you can use to be like, yeah, this this storyline would make a great movie. You know, sort of deal. Because it, like, I, I don't know why we have to rely on, okay, Spider-Man comes up. Okay, well, we got to retell his origins. Batman comes up. Well, we got to retell his origins. Everyone and their, my two-year-old niece knows Batman's origins. I didn't teach her. <laughs> you know? It's like everyone knows the origin of Batman. Everyone knows all these things. We don't need more. Although your niece might not know the origin of Dick Grayson. No. And to be honest, she doesn't know. Up on the screen that much. Yeah, she, she doesn't know the origin of Batman, but that's yeah. because I haven't taught her that yet. <laughs> nobody nobody should be happier than me about the potential of a Nightwing movie. And and I absolutely am excited. Uh, and, and Chris McKay sounds like he's got a very strong take on it that is if you... If you ignore the disappointments that I have for the other DC films in this current roster so far, and you just say all on its own, this guy wants to make a Nightwing movie, and these are the concepts and and things that he wants to do to make a Nightwing movie. First thing is, well, he better have a great ass because that is a Nightwing trait. And second of all, sounds fantastic. Uh, So I... I have no reason to think that Joseph Gordon-Levitt wouldn't make a great Dick Grayson. He just hasn't yet because that ending was bullshit. I, I was I, I was going I want to believe the great ass part. Sure, I I haven't really paid that much attention. <laughs> Didn't see a lot of it on Third Rock from the Sun. That was underage I, ass. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I really want there to be a potentially great film here. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they will. But those are the criteria that I would have going in. It needs yeah. to be not just a guy in a costume saying that he's Nightwing. It needs to be the actual Dick Grayson character with sure caveats because it's a film universe and they're not going to be able to state the 70 years of storylines have happened, of course. But they need to at least hit the points that make the character who he is and who he has been. And just like Superman has points that you have to reach and Wonder Woman has points that you have to reach and Batman has points you have to reach. These things are the essential things of like if anybody went through the entire catalog of these characters, they would come out and say, well, this is who this person is. You know, they could bring it down to the finest distilled essence and this is Dick Grayson, and this is Bruce Wayne, and this is Diana of Thermoscara. That's the things that I want these movies to get right. And I feel like for for the faults that they might have, and there certainly are some, Marvel understands its characters when it brings them up to the screens in the way that the current crop of DC movies, say for Wonder Woman, have not done for me yet. And that is, I'm saying for me, because it's my opinion, I know a lot of people are enjoying them, and a lot of people say, well, I didn't like Superman until I saw him break Zod's neck. That's great. But that is a Superman that is made for the screen that is not the Superman that was made from the comics. And you can point to a couple of very disturbingly rare stories where shit like that maybe has come close or been similar, but it's still not Superman. 
It's not yeah. the the 70 plus years of Superman of who Superman actually is. So and if you have to change the character, to make them feel relevant, then don't use that character because you don't yeah. know what to make that character work on screen. Make a new character and do that story that you want to tell. Don't decide you want to tell a story and plug that character in just because you have the the rights to it and and you think it'll it'll make good window dressing for the the fucking story that you want to tell. That's not how it's supposed to work. B is bringing up, you know, a, a Punisher a, I feel like the Punisher is probably one of the most difficult characters to make at Marvel and have it be true. It's to put it in other words, it's probably the easiest to do like in the DCEU style that we have seen where it's like they're missing the heart of the comic book of what it's based off of because they have done that where and I will admit I love the Thomas Jane Punisher movie. Me too. I love how I love how that was shot. I love everything in there. Are there plot holes? Yes. Is there, you know, things that are wrong? Yes. But it's are also one of those Yes. <laughs> um but you know, it was one of those like I look because again, you know, the they released the trailer for the Punisher Netflix TV uh, show, and I haven't seen it, but apparently it's you know it has Punisher fans saying this, yes, this is this is the show that we've been wanting. I think the Punisher is one of those difficult ones because a lot of people will have a problem with violence when it comes, right. to, you know, it's such extreme violence. Like you can get by Daredevil going down a stairwell, you know, punching people and knocking them out or Captain America throwing his shield and it bounces off of 20 different points and then hits a guy in the side of the head because it's not killing them. In theory, it is only incapacitating them. But when you have a character who is designed to kill, you could almost call him Modoc. He just kills, kills, kills the bad guys. It's sort of not going to play well, and especially not going to do merchandise well for these companies. Yeah, and that's you're you're absolutely correct in that. I remember in the late '80s, early '90s, when when Punisher got popular, there was also a character called Scourge who was going around and showing up and just killing Marvel villains, just showing up and shooting them and everything. And it kind of made me feel sick to my stomach because it's a finality at that point in time. Death in comics still kind of meant something. <laughs> uh, but it was just like random drive-by shootings of characters, the characters that you know, and and certainly aren't supposed to root for in the case of villains, but it's just such a extreme thing to do, which fucking 90s comics to the extreme, but Punisher is supposed to be an uncomfortable character. Punisher is supposed to be a character that makes the heroes more heroic. That's why he wasn't supposed to lead his own book, but he became very compelling. It was at a time when that kind of character drew a lot of readers, like Wolverine. Wolverine was supposed to be the darkest character of the X-Men and had a dark history and um, was far more violent and everything. But he balances really great in a team. When you put him in his own book to do that, it's harder to make a compelling. It's like doing a Joker comic book. People say, oh, I love a Joker comic book. Yeah, but you really have to have the right person doing the Joker comic book and you can't play lightly. And yeah. in the films, the Punisher films so far, even going back to the Dolph Lundgren stuff, they, they were as violent as they felt they could be with still trying to be a mainstream movie. But it was lightweight compared to what the Punisher should actually be. The violence of who he is and where that stems from is something that you really have to put it up on the screen to have audiences be able to understand who he is and tell that story. And I feel like 
you're right. The, in the trailer for the Punisher series, because I have watched it for the Netflix, while the Punisher is not a favorite character of mine, I totally agree with how they are utilizing him. And the high scale violence is necessary for it. And if you if you like things like John Wick, then you will enjoy the Punisher because it is, except it doesn't have some of the kind of tongue in cheek humor that John Wick does get away with. But it has the motivations are very similar. It makes sense. But he, sh- mm-hmm. he he's not going to be a lot of people's favorite show and he shouldn't be their favorite show or favorite character. But if you like it, then you're going to love what they're doing with it. And again, it because it gets to the, the values of what the character is. And you can call him values when he just wants to kill people. I rewatched Punisher War Journal the other night because uh, I hadn't seen it since the first time it hit cable. And I was just like, I should check it out again and see what it really is. And it is such a bad, bad movie. But it does for the most part, get Frank Castle correct and that he's just relentless on killing people. And the Thomas Jane movie, while I enjoy a lot of it and it's evocative of the Garth Ennis run on the comic when it was when he was first doing it, is not as true to that because they try to give him a family. But they do also break down why he can't have one. But it's so lighthearted in so much of it that it it's not gruesome enough for what the character should be. Yeah. And a fun Punisher is not the right Punisher. No, yeah, definitely. So moving on to the third story, Sabrina the Teenage Witch could be returning really soon to television. The CW and Warner Brothers Television are developing a new one-hour drama based around the character of the for the 2018-2019 season. Is there a talking cat puppet? I don't know. This is uh, from <laughs> what I know, I mean, was there were there talking cats in the comic book that uh from Archie Comics, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? I haven't read Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, but I'm going to guess no. I'm yeah. guessing that Salem was not included in that in the sense of he sits there and he he has a whiny voice and talks to Sabrina about her fucking diary and shit. And the ants probably won't be the the extra comic relief for the series and, and see all their little misadventures as they try to teach her about life. And yeah, no, I don't expect that. <sighs> yeah. So the like I said, the, this is based on the Archie comic series, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and this is going to, which is going to reimagine the origin and adventures of Sabrina as a dark coming of age story that traffics in horror, the occult, and witchcraft. The series is described as being tonally in vain of horror classics like Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist. Now that's sort of where I want to get your take on this as one of the hosts of Podcast of Terror, um, and someone who has probably seen Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist. Do you think? that would work on the CW. I think it would work as well as the Riverdale show seems to be working for the CW, which is something I made a conscious choice early on. I was not interested in because again, I've had a love of these characters for a long time. And while I'm sure that these are very good shows and uh, the the writer of, of both of them, Roberto is, is someone that I, I like a lot of his stuff, but these are not for me. Okay. And I, I'm totally fine with them not being for me. They don't owe me anything. And it's not like I'm a hardcore Archie or Sabrina fan. I just know that this take on these characters is not something I'm interested in watching. Plus, the types of shows that they are, because they're CW shows, which are very melodrama stuff as it is, are things that I've kind of grown past. It's why I can't watch any of the CWDC shows at this point, is that as much as I feel like they failed the characters over and over again by making them as dark and and miserable as possible over the last couple of seasons, and I know that they keep saying they're going to fix it, and this is going to be a better season for Flash and, and maybe a better season for Supergirl, 
probably not for Elicity, but whatever. I just, the style of the writing for CW shows is maybe not where I am anymore. Yeah. So this, you're actually raising up another conundrum that I have with the CW doing all these shows. Because I originally looked at this like, okay, this could possibly be the replacement for Supernatural. And Beats like, are you kidding me? Supernatural is like their biggest show on the network. Still doesn't help with what I'm with what I'm about to say. Berlanti is producing this. Berlanti already has on the CW alone Riverdale, Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow, Flash, and Supergirl. He is also executive producing the upcoming CW series Black Lightning. He already has six shows on there, all of which are an hour long. So you're talking about seventh. So you've got seven out of what? Let's say what uh, five days out of fifteen hours booked up with comic book properties right there. Uh, no, sorry, eight, including iZombie. You're running out of spaces here to plug in all your shows. It's probably a good problem because I think I'm describing, you know, like having this bountiful option of shows to have. But at the same time, if all these shows are, you know, still being good, um, you know, people can argue about some of the shows. Then how are you going to grow if some of your mainstays are, you know, so powerful that it's almost like they can't fail? Well, a, a show that can't fail is not a bad thing to have. Again, we, we talked about The Simpsons earlier. A story that we were going to talk about and then we wound up skipping was Dick Wolf going over to CBS with a new series. But Dick Wolf has done the Law & Order shows, all of them, for NBC for a good number of years. He's also uh, one of the heads from the Chicago series, Chicago Med, Chicago Blue, Chicago Butthole, I don't know. <laughs> Shonda Rhimes being a big voice for ABC, the whole Thursday night lineup being about Shonda Rhimes for a, a couple of years now. And every time they try to insert something that's not a Shondaland show, it seems to go away very, very quickly. Also now being over at Netflix, having a unified voice to me feels like having a house art style at a comic company, like mm. when all the books look so much alike and are totally the same, then it becomes very bland. But for network TV, it seems to work. That's why we have things like five CSI shows over time. That's why we have now three NCISs and we've had a couple attempts at spinoffs of Criminal Minds. I get it. There, there's also tonally even shows that aren't connected. But when you watch Fox shows, Bones feels like a lot of other shows on Fox. Mm -hmm. Other shows come out and they have the same look and tone and character interactions and writing. And you just can tell ABC has the same thing with things that look and sound like Castle. You can watch it and go, yeah, all right, I, can, I know who made this over and over again. In a way, that's comforting. And in a way, an audience that likes one thing wants to have more of that thing or at least feels like I can put this on and I know the kind of show I'm going to get. And I don't feel like I'm I'm losing anything from it. Plus, Supernatural isn't going to stick around forever. Those guys are going to want to end eventually. It, they they want to end on a strong point, and they are still, like Pete said, incredibly successful in the number one show for the network. I mean, but they're going to want to. They're starting their thirteenth season this year. They're going to want to drop it, and and CW is going to want to have things in the wings ready to go or already built up an audience that they can plug in there. Uh, they're vampire diary shows i think one of them ended or is ending vampire so diaries this, ended, yeah yeah so this could be the replacement for that more likely than the winchesters and supernatural has a spin-off show coming as well which might be its own replacement but you're not 
calming my nerves you or beat because beats going cw has some of the lowest cancellation rates they know their audience they do i'm not knocking them for it but at the same time if their shows aren't getting canceled we're still squeezing in between 8 and 10 p.m for the shows to where you know basically that means you have 15 through unless you're doing saturday so then 20 or nobody's no, doing saturdays <laughs> yeah nobody's well, doing I mean, saturdays and i don't think cw's doing sundays either you've got three hours five days a week like so then it goes well how are you you know and if you do if they were to do saturdays okay you got 18 hours and yet here they've already got 16 of those hours filled it's either that which a lot of the shows are going to be 22 episode seasons you know flash arrow supergirl are going to be 22 episode seasons i zombie is probably only going to be eight if that if that continues on um which actually i think it is legends of tomorrow is probably going to be you know like an eight or 16 episode season you know something smaller it's a good problem to have but it's a, it's a still a problem of you have all these shows so what if sabrina does like peggy carter did where they have the mid-season break of riverdale and they plug sabrina in there to fill that gap to try to build an audience and try to build it off of the already existing Riverdale audience. And then Riverdale comes back after Sabrina's, you know, eight episode run to do its finish off for its season. So Which you get- I could, I could see that that's something I've been thinking that they were going to be, do- that they were going to start doing these past two years now when Supergirl premiered over on CBS, but n- not necessarily in that order. Like we're going to get, you know, they're going to shorten down the 22 episode, you know, their big, big powerhouse shows to 16 or 12 almost like cw is going to go more of the british route where tv shows are usually anywhere from six to 12 episodes per season to where then you can do more shows because you're getting you know you're essentially making forcing the writers to have to write awesome stories and less filler stories that people go oh there's just so much filler yeah, no, they're not going to do that though. They're not going to yeah. they're not going to cut down the seasons of their successful shows. They're absolutely not. That's not what they are. What they are yeah. is they're looking for things to plug into holes when a show doesn't land or when a show has just finally like, you know, we've pushed as hard as we can on iZombie, we've pushed as hard as we can on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and we we need something in here now that's going to get us some numbers or they have shows that like No Tomorrow and uh, frequency that come in and immediately go away. Betting on a show that seems to build success from a show that it's kind of spinning off from, in a way, is a smart move. It's not, to me, a very creative move, although it can be. It can be a very different show from what Riverdale is, but it sounds tonally, it's gonna be like, hey, we've we've had success with this guy as a showrunner for one Archie property, let's do another Archie property with him and the helm too. You know, and that's that's how you build the next Greg Berlanti. That's how you build the next Shonda Rhimes. The next news story that we have in our final news story before we go into other things that I've been doing is that uh, Damon Lindelof, or as Beat put it, Damon Lindelof, he got tongue tied. I'm going to, you know, make him, you know, I'm going to pick on him for it, has pretty much confirmed that they're starting production of the Watchmen TV series over at HBO. He posted on his Instagram a picture that you just see of a statue of feet and it says in gratitude which is an homage to the trophy that was given to night owl in the original watchman pages and i'm a little bit more excited for this just because of 
all the things that were with the Watchmen in that Watchmen universe that that you, it seems like that they could play with. But at the same time, I am leery because you know we did have the Zack Snyder uh, 2009 Watchmen movie, which a lot of people didn't like. It sort of seems like, hey guys, let's not touch this franchise sort of deal but i don't know i want your opinion on this because i think you've read the watchman comic i have still to read it yeah i man that that's one of those things that i got all the way to almost the end and just was like "Mm." i'll imagine my own ending (laughs) that's kind of what they did for the movie (laughs) so i will start off with the first caveat of lindelof is not always my favorite creator uh Mm -hmm. i hear that the leftovers improved greatly after the first season. My wife watched that. I I wasn't going to watch it and didn't because I wasn't really interested in his work. But after things like Star Trek into Darkness, Cowboys and Aliens, his plot holes all over the fucking place on Lost. Basically, what I'm hearing from you is you're like, Damon Lindelof's doing something. You're not going to trick me again. It's like I'm not chasing down his work. Let's put it this way. Yeah. The other thing is Watchmen is one of those books that is hugely popular because of when it came out and what it did. It was a revolutionary comic at a time when comics needed to change and grow up. And it and The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller were the starting point of a huge change of comics. Now, I don't love the direction that comics went in from that. I think a lot of the things that they changed, it was like, it was too much. And and Alan Moore, as the creator of the book, has said that too. He's like, everything tried to be what we did and that's not what we intended. And I think it was the wrong direction. So making, very intelligently, um, we see this play out, making Superman into a Watchmen character, doing a Watchmen style story with Superman is not a good move. So having the guy who directs Watchmen then go on to direct Superman, probably not a good move. Certain characters worked for it. The characters that he used worked for it because they were created for it, even though they were ripoffs of Charlton characters. I get the love of Watchmen in the, the original work. I don't get the love of Watchmen 30 years later, and you can't really expand upon it. There can never be a Watchmen sequel in the comics because that was part of the deal that Alan Moore had with DC. That's why they did before Watchmen, because, hey, hey, fuck you, Alan Moore, in a series of fuck you, say Alan Moore, that DC has done. Isn't that their tagline? Kind of. (laughs) I know that HBO is hungry for mature-themed series that they can do. And Watchmen certainly didn't do what it all it could with the movie, trying to be compressed down into a two-hour-plus film with a big blue dick. So as a 10-episode maxi-series... Or even a 12 episode, one for each issue. If you want to add on a little bit more because of the side stories and stuff like that, sure, it could be something. But I'm just not interested in seeing it again. I'm not interested in in seeing the movie because the comic was the comic. And you can't do, I think in any filming, what was done with the comic. Because in some ways, the comic is magical. It is a masterpiece work. Even me not loving it, I still appreciate what it did. The, the, the story is the way that... Uh, Dave Gibbons drew the artwork the same so that if you're reading it forwards and backwards, you're seeing the panels go in like a big fucking palindrome. It was incredible. There's little things that you'll pick up on by your third, fifth, tenth reading that you won't have picked up on any time before that. It's a work of art. It is a work of actual artistry, not just an artist drew this. And that's from someone who's not really appreciative of it. But everybody wants to 
make Watchmen because Watchmen was to them the greatest thing ever. It's like, but if you keep dipping your pen into that well, the ink becomes more and more diluted. Yeah. And the payoff is not there. And it's, it's again, it hasn't been long enough since there was a Watchmen film that I don't know that we need a Watchmen, other than the fact you think you can do it better. And maybe Lindelof can do it better than Snyder did, but no one can do it better than Moore and Gibbons did. Yeah, and so there, there's that. If you want to know who watches a Watchmen, probably not me. I'm cautiously optimistic with this. I try not to poo-poo things as that are being developed. Because and that's a good attitude. That is yeah. the right attitude. No, yeah, because part of it's like, well, who the fuck am I to say that? But along the same lines, it's also it's one of those, you know, very similar to what talking about the earlier news stories is like, well, if this were to fail, then you sort of guy will go, well, maybe we should just leave Watchmen alone. Yeah, it's it's the Britney Spears of, of comic properties. So, no, it, I, so, so, the, so the Watchmen is just performing over and over again at one of the hotels in Las Vegas. Yeah, when I whenever I talk about stuff like this, I can't see the future. I can't say for sure that this thing's going to suck. I can go off of my past experiences and say that. I'm not excited about it. Here are the reasons why. But don't let me tell you what you should or shouldn't like. No, you know, I, I, we're an opinion show. Yeah. We're definitely an opinion show. We we do reviews and stuff like that. But reviews are it's not a magical score on Rotten Tomatoes. And I, I you see that all the time, like the Rotten Tomatoes review score from film reviewers from critics versus the score of people who went and saw it. And they're very, very different from each other. And that's good. That's healthy. Uh, we don't want to be in a non-democratic worldview of, oh, you tell me this is bad. Well, then I'm going to assume that it's bad because that fucks everything up for everyone. Uh, individual choice is beautiful. I always look at reviews like this. I never look at Rotten Tomatoes or you know any of these other places that do like that will do a review on a thing and give it a point system and go solely off of that like oh well rotten tomatoes gave kingsman the golden circle 35 percent, so i'm not going to go see that but then they gave this other movie 98 and i'm going to go see that no i'm going to go either based off of my own interest from you know hearing you know hearing the people talk about it or what it's based off of or you know seeing trailers or the other one and where i will see movies that i typically wouldn't see from my friends i wouldn't at all want to see it unless with Corey, with you saying stuff you know good things about it and my friends at work see, saying good things about it i'm still planning on seeing it now my friend who is like a really big horror movie fan she's like i told her what i said when you reviewed it i'm like yeah i'll probably wait until i can watch it in the day just because i know how my mind works it's like even if it's not scary, she's like it's not scary i'm like you don't know how my mind works i will take the tiniest thing and stretch it and all that that is there's something that i i should probably say too is that some of my favorite people uh, some of the people that i love like they were family to me and that includes people like you and beat it includes people like matt and nate and brandon over in geek like nate and i have very different tastes in movies and nate's a guy who loves what he loves and a lot of the stuff he loves is not to my taste but i yeah. could watch a movie and pick up on Nate would really like this. I'm not digging it, but I'm pretty sure Nate would dig it. And same with you is like, all right, this is not for me, but I think Gregor would enjoy this. And and part of that is because I worked in a comic store for a long time and people come in and I find out about these people and their interests and stuff. And I pick comics that I think that they would enjoy. And I would say here, you know, check this out. That is the best part of working in a comic store is finding yeah. that item that somebody then loves and, and they become a huge fan of and they come back to you every week and like, 
I thank you so much for turning me on to Strangers in Paradise, or thank you so much for introducing me to this Vertigo book, or whatever it is, because you share something with them. And and again, it doesn't have to be my favorite book. I'm not necessarily handing you something that I love. It's like, oh, I love Preacher. Your 10-year-old daughter would really dig this book. You know, it's <laughs> maybe she would. I'd, I'd have to meet her, but we probably need, you know, someone from the city to like monitor the whole thing. I get that Watchmen is not a story that I like because there's a lot of aspects of, of the Watchmen story that I'm not into. And there, there are things that are hard for me to get into shows that I, I honestly enjoy. Like I love a lot of Game of Thrones, but there's a, also a lot of Game of Thrones that I don't love. And that maybe if I'd started all over again, I wouldn't have chosen to make Game of Thrones one of my wa- must watch TV shows mm-hmm. because they're just harder things for me. to. Westworld is another one. Westworld does a lot of vile stuff in that show that really turns me off in an otherwise impeccably acted and shot and written show. And it's like, sometimes the themes are so overwhelming that I can't enjoy what is otherwise a great piece of, of art. And yeah. and I kind of have to pick and choose on like the things that I'm going to invest myself in. It's like, yeah, this is going to be a hard watch, but I think I'm still going to get enough out of it that it's going to be worth it in the end. And for me what Watchmen is, is not going to be worth it. But other people don't have a problem with the themes or other people might think that it is worth it. That's the whole point. You know, you, I think, would probably enjoy a Watchmen series and I don't have a problem with that. You know, I'll kid around. I'll tell you that you're wrong. No, yeah. But, but I don't believe that. And you know, oh, I don't oh, I, believe I do that. that all the time. It's funny, but I'm a fucking long haired, bearded guy who grew up in the 80s and listened to a little too much hair metal. And now I do podcasts and I work in IT. I'm a fucking stereotype in a lot of ways, you know, yeah. and I, I don't apologize for it. And people still manage to somewhat respect me and deal with my shit on a regular basis. It's it's not like it's the biggest turnoff in the world to everybody. I'm sure to some people it is. I don't care. You know, I just I am who I am. I'm I'm not pretentious about it because I just like what I like. You're, you're I, I feel like Sailor Man. Yeah. And, and a lot of other people you look at and you say, oh, well, you like these things. You must be very pretentious about it. it no, that's not an automatic. That's just I, who you are. Yeah. I honestly, I find myself straddling that line really closely because I'm, it's like, I'm not pretentious. I am passionate yeah. about the things that I like. And all, and it's, it's like, I, and see, I have that exact opposite with when people will recommend something to me and I do check it out or I do, you know, read it. Like I did last week on the episode or the, the latest episode that got released of the Galactic Radio comic book thing that I do um, that I, I need to come up with a clever name for. The two comic books I, I picked that I reviewed, I didn't pick out. Cody from the comic book store, which just moved around the corner to a bigger space. I haven't been in it yet. I'm going Friday. But I'm, I saw the pictures. So I'm like, finally, why couldn't we do this before every comic book day? Because <laughs> it's more room it's like i could i could actually see walking in there and not and you know hanging out for a second and not being like hey how you doing how you doing hi how you doing yeah oh oh, oh, who's that sorry whose kid is this sort of deal you know but with cody because he recommended um the book from image comics scales and scoundrels i started reading it and then i did the like as i was talking about it i got i got the the author and i'm like oh that's why he recommended scales and scoundrels because it's written by the same guy who does shirtless bear fighter and he loves shirtless bear fighter. So I'm like, I went in there and I told him like, I see why you pick skills and scoundrels. He's like, what? I'm like, written by the same guy who does shirtless bear fighter. It's like, yep. <laughs> and you know, it's a joke. You know, I love that book skills and scoundrels. Actually, if I'm completely honest, 
does sort of want me, I do sort of now want to check out Shirtless Bear Fighter because I love how this book re- uh, read. And also, I will say this for more of that, go check out that episode. It, it uh, aired past couple days. I think Dave released it. I always look at this. Like I have that. I get. I have that opposite thing where I I can tell. I'll be, oh, this is why Corey would say I'd like this show. And also, I can pick up on writing cues now a little bit because I've been ha- hanging out with you. And I'm like, oh, so this is gonna be the twist right here. And there's the twist. Thank you. <laughs> there is something disappointing about having consume so much media over time that you can pick it apart yeah. if you're if you're a creator that's good because you can then take that and try to apply it to your own things that you make and if you're searching to try to make something that's commercial or if you're trying to make something of a certain style then mm-hmm. it may be easier for you to take that and you, it's not always it's definitely not always i've watched so much tv and so many movies you think i'd be able to write a damn good story i'm i'm still not there yet that there's still other exercises that have to be done, other hours that be put in to make that happen. When I see something that people like, it's like my wife in her horror movies, she'll watch any goddamn horror movie. She'll watch them over and over again. And I know which ones she's going to actually enjoy and pay attention to and which one she's going to say, well, this is fucking stupid and, and be glad to change it or turn it off when it's done. But then she'll still go back to it later on. <laughs> I can say, yeah, this, this is shit. Um, yeah. This is absolutely shit. But I can also see the ones that I think are shit that she will still love. Yeah. No, yeah. And that's cool. And that's honestly where we're, where we're at with that. But that is going to do it for the news. And we will be right back after this read. So one of the ways you can help out the network is by going to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Galactic Netcasts. Or, you know, go to GNCast.com slash support. And you do this and you're going to help us to keep creating the stuff that we are creating. Um, you're going to help us, you know, f- keep the WordPress going, keeping everything that we got to do going. You're partnering with us. You're not like, you know, just giving us money. You're partnering with us. You're going to get a voice into what we do. And speaking and, um, of, yes, here's where I cut you off. So I know that we have a smaller audience than a lot of the other shows on the network. And mm-hmm. which is absolutely fine. We value every single person who is part of the else nerd family who listens to the show who cares about the show who who maybe has been on the show we absolutely love every single listener that we have yes and as a network we absolutely love every single listener every single partner that we have as part of the patreon and not what i want to ask you our listeners from the heart if you don't back our patreons and and sometimes it's financial sometimes it's just i don't really believe in patreon some people don't i get that completely But if you don't, and it's because you haven't had something yet stick out in your mind as to this is what I would want as a backer, let us know. You know, don't, it it doesn't have to be, you can go to mail at elsnerds.com. You can go to any of the GNCast's emails. You can go to the website. You can go to our Facebook page, any of these places, and just let us know what are you looking for to make you want to be a backer of the Galactic Network? Because that's important to us too. It's not just give us a dollar to give us a dollar so that we can keep doing what we're doing. We want to bring value to you. We want to bring entertaining shows to you. We want to bring you the best that we absolutely are capable of. And then some, you know, we'd like to elevate. What do you think you would like to see from us to become part of this group, part of this team? And, you know, sky's the limit. It, it, we can't necessarily achieve it all, but just make some Make some noise as to what you would like to see as a backer. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, definitely. And also, I'm, I, I believe we're, we're going to be working on this, uh, but Beat just put here in the chat, 
Look forward to a survey in the near future and participate, please. You know, and there's no suggestion too big, too small, too dumb, too smart that we will not consider. We will consider all of them. No, absolutely. And th and that's the thing. It, certainly when it comes to making content, we have to love what we're doing. Gregor and I love doing Else Nerds. Uh, we love the, the stuff that we talk about. We love yep. just getting together, really, and putting on the show. Uh, Matt and I love the, the, the horror stuff enough to do podcasts of terror. Greg has his comic show, Brad and Dave with alien invasion, weird world weekly, all that stuff. This all comes from things that we love to do, but it also, when we're talking about the extras, it's like, we don't want to give you stuff that you don't want as a patron. We don't want to not give you stuff that you do want. We really need to hear what it is that you're interested in without taking stuff away. That, that's another thing is I will never personally take away content that is already there for you for free and move it behind a paywall. That is yeah. not who I am. I, I just I personally will not do that. But if there was something extra, if there was something you're missing and it may be the behind the scenes stuff, it may be an extra show like it, we get together another time a week. I'm totally up for, for those things, but I want to know that that's something that there's interest in instead of just making it and, you know, people who don't get behind the paywall never see it. And the people who are there don't care. I do this show and it's out there for everybody for, for the joy of it, you know, and the Patreon, I, we've said this many times, is not for me. I'm not getting paid for this. Greg is not getting paid for this. It's about supporting Dave and the Galactic Network who hosted this show from the very beginning mm -hmm. and has been a friend to us for years, you know, and is a big reason why we are doing podcasts in the first place. That's why we do it is to support the network and to make it as good as it can be for everybody in the long run. You know, not even necessarily Else Nerds listeners, but Weird World Weekly listeners and Who Knew and Review listeners for for all of the team so that that's what we're looking for i know i stole gregor's promo and i know that i made this as long as a fucking segment on the show but if you have the time and you have the inclination and you have any ideas please reach out to us let us know we'd appreciate it real quick we got a shout out to uh mihoshika furude for giving us suggestions on youtube like changing the intro length and we are back and it is time for my else views. And this is uh, partially because I, you know, I went on a trip. I went up north, actually. Uh, for those of you guys who do not know, I live in that in that great state that's shaped like a mitten and not Kansas or not Wisconsin, but Michigan. And I went up north with my grandma because we did, um, as I, I think I've said on here on air, but one of her goals is she wants to see every single lighthouse in Michigan. Michigan, for people who don't know, actually has more lighthouses than any other state, from what I have heard people say. And so because we went there's up a lot to, of lot of yeah. water. There's a lot of lakes. Yeah. Well, actually, the other thing that I didn't even think of is, do you know that there is not really a Lake Michigan and a Lake Huron? It is one lake. Yeah. Because people look at, you know, oh, the Straits of Mackinac. That's no, it's just it's all one level plane. So therefore, it is one water mass where if you go from Lake Huron to Lake Erie, there's and then Lake Ontario, there's, you know, changes in the water levels and stuff like that. And actually, I'm, I'm stealing this from the guy who because me and my grandma, we went up to Mackinac City. We did the uh, boat tour. So we went out and saw like f uh, four lighthouses. I um, actually saw f uh, f uh, the fifth one that's on the extended tour from like way far away it's like one of those like if you had a telescope you could see it sort of things but and he said you know he was talking about the guy was talking about this stuff and it, it was really cool just you know hearing hearing you know first off this is a guy I, and I told him afterwards i'm like you bring such a passion to this to where i was on every word you were talking about and a lot of it was because he's he's got a a geography background 
And so he was bringing in a lot of the science stuff to it. And I'm just like, this dude is great. Almost like Neil deGrasse Tyson with, with how Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson talks. And I told him like, dude, you need to be on a Nerdist podcast because that's what he reminded me of is those, those Nerdist podcasts where Chris Hardwick has a, a science guy on there, you know, a science, a scientist, you know, and you just hear Chris become a student, not, you know, the chat sessions that he has with his friends with like, with like, you know, Jonah and, and Matt, or, you know, when he's interviewing a celebrity, you know, who he may or may not be friends with outside of doing the podcast. But the, the dude was awesome. And I really wish I remembered his name, but I don't. But that's not what I'm going to talk about, because that was something I did for my grandma. And I, I like I like sharing that moment with her taking almost all of her photos, I think, of the so much so that when I went to share show a friend, I'm like, I thought I took more photos. Oh, I did. I just used my grandma's phone instead of mine. But one of the places I'm going to talk about is when I went in there, I immediately thought of the network, like driving down the road because we got there you know really early and we're driving down and i'm like what is this place i want to go in that place and then eventually like we had enough time i'm like grandma i want to go there she's like all right and it's called mystery town usa the website is mysterytownusa.com and they're modeling themselves after the tourist traps of route 66 so you know like the you know the world's biggest ball of yarn and you know all that stuff that you would see as you're uh, going down route 66 but they focus on more of the paranormal so the way it sets up like you go into the gift shop and there's a shirt that i want day i want brad and i want matt to get where it's an alien holding a you know a beer stein and it says take me to your leecher and i'm like dad we're like they would love that shirt <laughs> So you go and you go, you do the little thing as you're walking around and it's built, it's built for all ages. Um, It's really cool. But you start, you sit down, they tell you the stuff behind why they did this and also why they chose Mackinac City. You then go to, like they're just saying, go into this, just believing the fun. It's all going to be fun. So just believe in it. And really, you you have to. It's going to be one of these things where we can't confirm or deny that Loch Ness Monster or Bigfoot exist or, you know, what's going on in Area 51 and stuff like that. Bermuda Triangle. But all these things, it's fun to just believe that they happen and that they're there. So you start out after you go through this, the bookcase that opens up because, you know, what great place doesn't start with that. You can take your time and read all the stuff. I skimmed a lot of it, but I'm like, so I'm like, all right, for those of you guys who are friends with me on Facebook, this is actually my Facebook profile picture, but it's of, you go through this portal and you got a stairway tube going around to where your brain's like, huh? you're spinning fucker. And all that. I had to get gather myself twice before going through. Cause like I look and my brain's like, uh, for audio listeners, I'm rotating my head around trying to keep with the tube. But you go through the Bermuda Triangle, the quote-unquote Bermuda Triangle, and then you end up in Area 51, complete with, you know, like, all this, like, you know, put your hands in this and pick up space rocks and stuff like that. There's aliens all over the place. It's really cool, really tourist trappy, but in a fun way. Cut to that, you then go to, I believe it's Atlantis? But basically, you hit Atlantis, Bigfoot up in the Pacific Northwest. Both of those, they actually have, you know, the Mermaid Call and the uh, Bigfoot Call. My favorite ones was Loch Ness because I, I kept going through there like, this isn't a jump scare one. In my head, the running commentary was, something's going to jump out. I know something's going to jump out at me, right? This is a, one of those jump scare places, and they didn't tell me. But nothing ever jumped out at me. But you, you're going through through the Loch Ness with all these things hanging down, and it's a little bit like a maze. And then you go to that into a black hole. Now, how they did the black hole is really cool because it honestly does its best to simulate what it's like to go in 
to theoretically what it's like to go into a black hole. They had two big, you know, those inflatable bounce house things that just blow up and they're, you know, they're pushing on you on the sides and you walk through. I walked through um, with my hand out in front of me, like, you know, just so I wasn't like, you know, at the other end. It's like, I like my hand to break free. I'm like, I'm free. I've been birthed and stuff like that, as opposed to and wall. And that was one of the coolest experiences ever because I'm like, I'm in this tube, this doorway, and I can't see anything. I can't see my hand in front of my face at all. And it's really cool. I left that saying that I want to go back with my mom and with my niece, my niece, because I think she would love some of that stuff, especially if we go a couple years later when she's four and there'll be some things like, oh, hey, we'll take your picture. Look, you're a mermaid and stuff like that. And then my mom, just so she goes through that black hole thing and see if she freaks out <laughs> because I'm an asshole. But yeah, so that's Mystery Town USA. It's with how they talked in the video. I was expecting there to be like, which location? But it's only there. I honestly want this to be in more locations because it's such a fun little thing that you could see in a mall, like a little pop-up store thing where they have all these things and you know, they have all the exhibits and you go through. But yeah, it was really cool. The second thing I'm going to talk about is a show that I have talked about before in previous incarnations, and that is Top Gear America. Now, they finished their first season, and this is the rebranded Top Gear through the BBC America, not History Channel like it was before. So they got three new hosts. And right off the bat, I want to talk about this for the past eight weeks. I honestly have. But I've been like, no, let's wait. Let's let's hold off. Because, you know, let's be honest. I talk a lot about these shows. I talk a lot about the Grand Tour, about Top Gear UK, because I love cars. And so it's cool to get this show and it not suck. Like, as an American, I am now spoiled with car race or, you know, car motoring shows. The people who are on there, the hosts, you have William Fitchner. He was on Prison Break, and um, he's actually a really, you know, big name uh, Hollywood guy. Antron Brown, who is a NHRA dragster, top field dragster racer. And the, uh, the third guy, he's the only British guy on there. He's Tom Wookie Ford. He is a car reviewer, I think, for like a, a couple different magazines over in the UK. And I love this show. I love how they did this. They kept it similar to Top Gear UK, but made it different. And Beat, Beat has a quote in here that he doesn't care about cars at all, but Top Gear, he absolutely loves, and it's, and it's the personalities. Beat, I don't know if you've seen Top Gear America, but I think you would like the personalities here with these with these guys, too. Because they have, for the first, um, you, you can tell, like, with the first couple episodes that they were still getting to know each other a little bit. They actually had this chemistry that was where when they picked on each other, it wasn't like, here's in the script where it says, I, I pick on Wookiee or whatever. It was like, they're just having fun. Like the first episode, they're in dune buggies uh, doing a, a Baja 3000 style race up Baja, Mexico over the border and stuff like that. The last episode, they actually went, uh, Tom Wookiee Ford did a review of the Mercedes-Benz AMG, a lot, like their line of cars that they've got coming out at the Top Gear UK track. So in Dunsfold, England, there's no, oh, well, UK is better. They're all good. We can quit with that argument now. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, sitting down and watching them. Those are my, so those are my picks. So those are my else views. Corey, if, as you notice, has been relatively quiet. It's because uh, he doesn't have one unless he came up with one now. But yeah, so, and, and he needs the vocal rest because we're going to have the else words coming up here. So that's how it goes. But yeah, so we will be right back. The galaxy far, far away feels closer now than ever before, and your guides through this galaxy are ready to help. 
I'm Zach Hagenbusher, one half of the new Jedi Archives podcast with Ben Schultz. Join us every other Tuesday for our experiences with the Star Wars saga from the core films that we know and love, well, you know, some of them, to the annals of history and the works that shaped Star Wars into what we know it as today. Just jump in wherever you'd like. Download an episode of the new Jedi Archives today. And we are back, and it is time for the Else Words. This is the discussion topic of the show. And also, in a way, part of it ties into my Else Word or my Else Views, and will probably tie into a future Else Views. And this is that Saturday Night Live will air coast to coast all season. This is a two part thing here because the other part will be what I will talk about probably in the future. So, Corey, what do you think about this? As because this is actually interesting, we have East Coast uh, Watcher and then West Coast Watcher with you. So, you with the exception of the final four episodes last season, since you lived out in California, had not seen, you haven't had the opportunity to see Saturday Night Live live when it airs on the East Coast. It's been one of those things that's kind of funny because I grew up in Michigan. Yes, so I was always one of the the people that when something was airing, I was seeing it the first time, or if it was live, I was seeing it in what is considered more real time, meaning something like the Emmys. Well, not even that. It's like the Emmys thing of if you're watching the Emmys on the East Coast versus the West Coast, you're seeing it three hours earlier. Now, that didn't matter as much when I was younger because we didn't have the Internet and people spoiling shit on Facebook (laughs) uh, like they do with Game of Thrones and stuff. It's like, oh, it's Sunday night. Uh, Game of Thrones or Walking Dead is on. I better not go on any social media at all. Uh, because people are fuckers. Some so, of them cousin fuckers. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Sp- or Game of Thrones spoiler. Or uncle fuckers. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it was a change now being on the opposite end of, of the country where I'm not privy to seeing the things from that feed. It's weird because Comcast, and I think Satellite might still do this, for a long time they had the two feeds on, on yeah. some channels. So you could see them both at the same time. And that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. It still is a little bit with, especially with satellite, which is something that I used when I was younger to watch other shows that I would have missed when I was at school on the West Coast feed. Well, here's my, here's my kvetch, just a sidetrack. HBO has an East Coast and West Coast. But if I watch the East Coast, it's not HD. And I am really confused why at this point, 90% of the Comcast channels are not high definition why we still are being right there yeah we're rounded down to this fucking lowest common denominator of bullshit channels like you get one or two you get the the regular hbo and then the spanish hbo in high definition uh, but then all the other ones are in standard definition it's like the fuck is wrong with you comcast you understand that you've been (laughs) pushing your bullshit content box for fucking years High definition TVs, like we've been through the 3D boom and bust at this point <laughs> and made our way to 4K and 8K, and you don't give us high definition in all the fucking channels right now? You are out of your goddamn minds. No wonder people have moved the fuck to the internet. That said, so sometimes <laughs> there's the opportunity for me to, like, I record John Oliver in non high def to record earlier, uh, not because I'm going to watch at that point in time, but because it, it's just, then it's not interfering with the other four shows that I tape on Sunday nights. But that's that's also kind of the other part of it. So we're going to say that Saturday Night Live is going to be airing at the same time for both coasts. So instead of having to wait till 1130, I could be watching it at 830 when you guys are watching it at 1130 your time. But I don't. 
you know, I might now, I might choose to watch it at 8.30 now because at 11.30, it's on opposite some of my local stuff that I watch, the the local horror movies uh, that I watch, the creature features here, uh, used to uh, compete with Circus of Chaos as well. Those have moved up. So I haven't really cared about watching Saturday Night Live live. And a lot of shows I don't watch live because the interactivity of it doesn't matter to me. There's only a couple things that I want to watch when it's airing. Again, because like, I, I don't want to get it spoiled, but mostly it's like I watch the horror feature stuff with the the group that I, I hang out with who make some of those shows. I don't know if having it air earlier matters. So here's it's certainly this. at the best point for Saturday Night Live right now. Yeah. So here's here's the billing, at least from the article from from Slash Film that I'm pulling this from, that one of the things that you guys would miss out on the West Coast is when the host would slip and say fuck live on air which i will point out happened this past season with chris and stewart and it did not get cut from the on-demand version on comcast and, like, and I, that that presumes that i'm 10 and that's like oh i feel so fucking pissed off that i didn't get to hear the f word on saturday night live and watch jenny slate get fired you know <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, there is that little bit of thing, you know, that little bit of stuff there is, you know, like the gaffes that happen that then get edited around or which you can then go to YouTube and see. Yeah. But, you know, it makes sense in that regard. The big one is obviously going to be the social media buzz. But the point I think we're with getting with this is more of do you see this being a trend for more of the live things like, you know, this already happens with sports. So you know, like sports is the one is was the big one that was like everyone's like oh yeah it's gonna be live. And, and sports is one that actually makes sense, but sports is another beast because with sports TV's already fucked around a football game. Yeah. If if you are like hey uh, I'm gonna be recording Big Bang Theory at, at eight o'clock, it's like no, there's a game on. You can pretty much kiss Big Bang Theory to twelve oh one or something. It, yeah. It's going to be moved. Like it doesn't matter what your DVR thinks is you better make sure that it's going to record it at this other time because that's what's going to happen is the game's going to go long or the game's going to go short. And either way they're going to fill it in with a bunch of bullshit after sports talk anyways. And and so anything that's TV is completely off schedule because of the the football or the the baseball or not the soccer. And that's that's the other part of this that I don't get is because for Saturday Night Live, what it's doing for us is saying, well, at 8.30, you guys get Saturday Night Live. And then you'll probably get a repeat at 11.30. But on your coast, what's playing at 8.30? It pretty much pisses away the idea that Saturday Night programming means anything else other than Saturday Night Live. But to be honest, what does it mean? Well, that's that's what I'm saying, though. It's a caveat of Saturdays are fucked for TV in primetime, the only thing that we have that people give a shit about is Saturday Night Live. So we can fuck the 8 to 10 o'clock hour by putting Saturday Night Live there for the West Coast and the East Coast just, I don't know, uh, Murder, She Wrote reruns? Like, what are we going to well, put there? What it's been these past couple of years, it would be repeats of the, of the episodes that aired that week. Actually, no, what it has been on Saturday nights during Saturday Night Live is... At least, you know, in the my local area, is other episodes of Saturday Night Live. So I they would do, sit around ten o'clock. Yeah, which this wouldn't affect because it yeah. it would run from eight thirty to ten. Saturday Night Live is an hour and a half show, right? Mm-hmm. So then you would still get your repeat of Saturday Night Live at ten o'clock. So, but from your eight thirty to ten, 
they can fucking put on just an aquarium. Like, that's the thing is it's either you guys get shit for that period of time or we don't get what you get. Yeah, uh, because we're going to see the same thing. So either way, you're still you're getting crap filler on one end or if it's something really good, you don't get it on the other end. Yeah. Uh, and and that's that's presuming just the East Coast and West Coast. That's not presuming Central Mountain Time, any of those things that have well, different time zones. Those and w- with those like with Central and Mountain, they also sort of get fucked anyways. I, I never quite understood the Western part because with us, it was always, you know, with Saturday Night Live, it starts at 1130 Eastern, 1030 Central. You know, they mm-hmm. were just an hour behind, which makes sense. But then it's like, shouldn't it be 1130 Mountain? 10 30 western not 11 30 western 12 30 mountain yeah i assume that the central people go to bed early because their news starts an hour earlier and and it's all fucked up i don't i don't know wait, wait, i mean the, it's, it's their, their news only comes through fox fox saturday <laughs> lives on nbc dude no uh, no, no the, the news that's yeah, the slogan like for fox, fox. yeah yeah which our Fox affiliate is now doing at 11 o'clock news. I don't get it. (laughs) Whatever. So Saturday Night Live at this point in time, just won some Emmys. It's very popular because of how well the last season went with all the political stuff they're doing with the Alec Baldwin, not Adam Baldwin, doing his Trump, Melissa McCarthy doing her Sean Spicer, which apparently made him endearing enough to allow all these fucking liberal (laughs) assholes hug and kiss him at the Emmys because he showed up and said, hey, that's right, I am full of shit. Uh, Yeah, we know, uh, but just because you're in on the joke now doesn't mean that it discludes you from all the bullshit you were telling us just a couple months ago. Uh, You're still a dick. It's like Hitler coming out and doing a little dance and like, forget about the oven thing. (laughs) You know, uh, no, no, you're you're still a motherfucker and all you've done is sold out to a, a new fucking Lord. We hate you. We should all fucking hate you because you're part of the fucking problem. And you deliver this stuff as well as you could. Now, I don't have anybody doing that job. That job is hard. But you sold your fucking soul to do it. And uh, just because you were let go or left of your own accord, whatever, because someone else was going to come in and take your job, Snowflake, uh, you're still full of shit in the first place. And uh, we don't automatically like you now. So anyway, that's my yeah. rant. Saturday Night Live, really popular, really well. So there are things that potentially could get spoiled, like a Game of Thrones gets spoiled. Like, oh my God, uh, fucking Rosie O'Donnell showed up and she's playing Steve Bannon. Holy shit. And I'm on this coast like, I don't get to see that yet. Please don't spoil it for me. Actually, I'm never going to go great. on social media again. Yeah, I know. It was it was it was talked about. It was it was something that I think she was going to she was volunteering to do and they just didn't pull in on it. Missed opportunity, motherfuckers. Yeah, but he's out now too. So I'm a person who who time shifts. I'm a person who DVRs. And and so watching Saturday Night Live live doesn't necessarily matter as but, much to me. For those who does, that's fine. But I still think it just but, it just basically means Saturday nights don't mean shit to NBC. It's like black people at George W. Bush. They don't care. And so really, until Saturday Night Live starts, the rest of NBC's output is bullshit, and they know it, and they don't care if you know it now. All right. So the other other part with this, though, is and this actually was in New York, I believe last year, and this is uh, Saturday Night Live, The Experience. Now, this is the, it's actually a museum exhibit, and it's coming to Chicago, and it's going to be coming to the Museum of Broadcast Communications in, in Chicago. And one of the things that's really cool 
is that it's allowing fans to get an idea of what it's like to do a week of Saturday Night Live. Like, in so there, here's why I hate Chicago. All right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just fucking with you. It just seemed like saying- Corey, Corey's job is to interrupt and just shit on everything that I'm about to talk about. I would say uh, because you're a Red Wings fans and the Blackhawks can go fuck themselves. Well, the Blackhawks can go fuck themselves, but they'd have to be able to get it in the fucking goal. Oh, <laughs> no. So this. <laughs> so and I'm trying to find when it said it ran out from the Chicago Tribune, but it is like one of the coolest parts about this is there's going to be a lot of stuff, you know, like there's going to be the Wayne's World set. There's going to be the Jeopardy set on there. There's going to be what is it, Tina Fey through Seth Meyers uh, weekend update desk. Um, you know, At this time, they should have Melissa's mobile podium. Yeah, there's John Belushi's Killer Bees outfit and the opening, the opening monologue stage. And the other cool part is, okay, so yeah, in New York, the show is located in a dedicated space on Fifth Avenue, where it drew an average rating of four and a half stars on TripAdvisor. They don't divulge attendance figures after it closed there, but so it's it's really cool that they've already done this in New York, and it makes sense to me because a lot of people who have come to snl came from second city in in chicago so it's you know it's that next logical step also new york and chicago are both places where you can expect to get shot so if you like excitement just walk down the streets but yeah so the exhibit is going to open october 21st 2017 and it'll be there for about 14 months and the tickets are going to be 25 dollars but yeah i mean honestly i'm excited for this because i'm once this opens i'm going to be like hey who wants to go to Chicago? We're going to go to see the Saturday Night Live Museum. Which, now I'm saying that, if they don't have the set where they did Da Bears, that's going to be <laughs> like a missed opportunity. Yeah, it absolutely is. Or they'll just have people sitting around that just seem like they should have been in the skit in the first place. <laughs> One guy just gets up and goes, Da Bears, Da Bears, Da Bears. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I would expect the next stop for this would be LA or even San Francisco. Like, you know, after the 14 months is up here, they do 14 months over in San Francisco or 14 months in L.A. or something like that. But the the big part for me, honestly, is, you know, besides seeing all the outfits, is that whole going through a week because they're doing it in such a cool, interactive way of, you know, like you're throwing up clips from people who've worked on the show. I I feel like this might give you the a really good idea as to like what it takes to do this show. Oh, so it's everything that Aaron Sorkin needed to do Studio 60 on the Sunset Trip and he didn't pull off? Yeah. (laughs) I love that shit, by the way. I absolutely (laughs) enjoyed it. But yeah, so that is going to do it for us, folks. If you want to leave us any messages, like like Corey said during the Patreon plug, you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966 or emailing us mail at elsnerds.com. All of our subscription links and options can be found over at gncast.com slash subscribe. You can find the network on all the social medias at Galactic Netcasts or Netcast. And you also where you can find us at Elsnerds. You can find us all over on Facebook, Twitter. It's also where you can find our producers. Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. B is at Beatmaster80. Sean Burns is at S Burns PA. Corey, where can people find the things that you do with the who just followed me, Levi Krause? <laughs> Levi's a good guy. <laughs> uh, and if you want to see what that good guy's artwork is like, go to don'taskcomics.com. I post the comics, right now classic comics, from his Levi's World and his Spells comic with Chris Yambar every week, usually. I, I, I'm, I'm not great at being on schedule. And uh, you can also find the archives of 
Balyar, which I helped write for a little while, as well as Spells and the randomly occasional Shock, all at DonutsComics.com. It's a it's a portal to take you to all those different comics. All right, and you can find me on at that Gregor. And the final thing to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or else fuck Chicago. <laughs> da wings. Galactic Network podcast, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.